Welcome to the light as reflected in the worship and work of Northminster Church. We're gathered here welcomed by the light, but we're not alone in that. The candles uh, flicker the light. We will have a candle brought in this morning representing the light. And we're not alone in that. All over the world, through all ages, light has been a symbol, a candle. Before it was used as illumination. We don't really need that here. We've got all this electric stuff. But we need illumination. And so we gather around the light and let these candles remind us of God's presence. The spirit flickers here this morning, reminding all of us that we're called to faithfully flicker in the world around us. Let us be called to worship together with these words. The light of the world has come. We have seen the light. And all the darkness that this world can give has not dimmed it. This season of surprises, this season for dreamers, this time for the opening of our eyes, minds, hearts, and souls to God's light of love is upon us. Come with me to the light. Let us worship together the light of the world.
A reading from the prophecies of the book of Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick clouds the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and the glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to the light, the kings of the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on the nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall be shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. The multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels from Medea and Ephath. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Rejoice, for our light comes. Thanks be to God. God. Thank you. 
Pray for me, I forgot to announce that there's a business meeting next Sunday evening. And I would have been in big trouble if I had not told you that. Let us now prepare our hearts for prayer. Let us pray together. O God of grace and truth and tender mercy, give us light in the places where darkness hides your face. The darkness of this pandemic has confused and frustrated even our best medical minds. When we give in to the darkness and resist healing, forgive us. When we insist on our way as the only way, enlighten us to the possibility of truths we do not yet know. Scatter the darkness of poverty and oppression. Shine the light into the darkness of entrenched injustice. Shine the light of justice for all. Illumine those in the darkness of racism, showing them the light of your love, which welcomes all. Forgive us for being seduced by the darkness and remind us all that we are the children of the light, the light of the world, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us now stand for the gospel. Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to be shepherd of my people. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. He then sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I might also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. 
And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen as it's rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. appreciate the piece from that, that theatrical piece because it, it gets me right to where I want to be to start the sermon. You see, it was my big break in the theater. <laughs> my stage debut. Oh, I'd, have, I'd been in school plays in the classroom. I'd been in Sunday school plays at church. But in the first grade, and on the school stage, the one with the curtains that opened and closed, I was going to be a character in a major production. Well, this is big, folks. I had been cast as one of the three wise men. Only three wise men, and I was one of them. <laughs> Rehearsals began. I was ready until I found out what my part would entail. Now, I would be clad in a long robe, uh, a crown that was too big for me, and I had to carry my special gift, myrrh. I didn't know what myrrh was, but I knew I'd better not drop it. <laughs> now, the myrrh was in a large box, and, and I had to carry it with my arms straight out like this. The director was very clear. None of this, none of this. Arms straight out. Well, you see, the problem was that I had to do all that looking up at the star. <laughs> and I said to the director, what star? Where is the star? And she said, you have to imagine the star. <laughs> and so I tried to walk straight in line. I was the last in line, of course. I got the myrrh. While carrying the gifts in a long robe, all the while looking up and singing. I had not been told there was going to be singing, but I had to sing when I did all the other things. Casting me as a wise man turned out not to be a wise decision on the director's part. I kept looking down at my feet instead of looking up at the starlight. The director would stop the whole play and get on me. Look up, look up, look up, she would say. Don't look down. 
Okay. Because the problem is, when I looked up, I would trip on the robe every time and drop the myrrh. Walk, hold out box, look up, sing, don't trip. Finally, after shortening my robe and letting me merely mouth the words instead of singing, which became a kind of a pattern in my life as it went on, the show proceeded. Now, reviews noted the kid in the short robe who mouthed words and kept looking down at his feet instead of looking up at the star. Somehow, the three wise men stumbled their way to the Christ child baby doll. See, I learned my lesson that day about looking up at the light I couldn't even see. I learned to imagine the light of the star and to follow the light of my imagination. The Magi in our gospel lesson saw the light of the star all right, but they had to imagine what the starlight meant. Where the star was headed could only be imagined, and in their imagination, they saw a great and powerful ruler of the Jews. They imagined a sovereign whose reign would transform the world. So on those nights when they wanted to turn back, their imagination led them on. When the days were dusty and dry and there was no star in the sky, they imagined what they would find west of the horizon. Well, the skeptics had been there since the beginning, the small-minded scoffers who had no imagination and no tolerance for anyone who did. Skeptics were there all along the way also, suspicious of these strange outsiders passing through. Yet the Magi pressed on, fueled only by starlight and imagination. Who were these first century imaginators? I almost called them imagineers, but that would be too Disney slick. <laughs> well, the number of them is not given, if you notice. Wise men from the east. Sure, the gifts are three, but they could have been carried by a hundred wise men. It was a gift for royalty, after all. Maybe you have a delegation of dignitaries on a diplomatic mission. Commonly, they're known as the three wise men for the east. Or either we sing, we three kings. That was the song I tried to get down that day as I walked and held out the box and looked up. But the plural of the word used in the Greek is magoi. The English transliteration is magi. Magi does not mean king in Greek. We do not have we three kings. They were seeking a king, but they were not kings. They were not secular senior royal advisors. What were they then? We get the word magic from this word magoi in the Greek text. What? We three wizards from Orient are? Harry Potter, where are you? But in those days, the word magoi was most often used to refer to Zoroastrian priests whose work it was to study the stars and to make pronouncements based upon star patterns and movements. 
The interpretation of dreams was also a key element in their portfolio. Zoroastrianism is a religion which originated in Persia or modern-day Iran. And in it, the heavens are key to understanding the most important part of the religion, the battle between good and evil. The light of the stars was a symbol of the supreme creator God, Ahura Mazda, and his forces who battled the evil powers of darkness. I drive a Mazda, by the way, uh, you know, wise Lord, I guess it means. Some Zoroastrians even believe that Ahura Mazda was the only God and brought them very close to the monotheism of the Jewish and Islamic faiths. Well, the distinctive light the holy stargazers saw that night heralded a shift in the balance of the power in the cosmic battle. Theirs was not a historical curiosity, but a theological strategy. This new king of the Jews would be an important ally of Ahura Mazda, in the ongoing existential and eschatological battle between good and evil. They had not found the light on their own. They had not mapped the way to the light. They had been summoned by the light, beckoned by the light, welcomed by the light. Why would these Gentile, non-believer outsiders be welcomed into the inner sanctum of the Incarnation? They were seeking a light to conquer darkness, and they found the light of the world. The symbol of these magi proclaims the truth that Christ is not only the light of Israel, but the light of the whole world. Epiphany spreads that message throughout the whole world that the manifestation of Christ has come. You are welcomed to the light to share with all the world the light you have found. Therefore, this day in the church year, known as Epiphany, is celebrated. Epiphany celebrates the visit of the Magi 12 days after Christmas. Thus you have the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. Legend has it that this song is a secret catechism used in England at the time of the English Civil War when Catholicism was outlawed by the Puritans. A partridge in a pear tree, that's Jesus Christ. The mother partridge is known to be willing to die to protect her young. Two turtle doves, symbolizing the Old and New Testament. Three French hens, I'm not singing it, notice, I'm just saying it. Three French hens stand for faith, hope, and love. Four calling birds, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Five golden rings, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Six geese a-laying, the six days of creation before the seventh days of rest. Seven swans a-swimming, symbolize the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy. Eight maids of milking, that was the Beatitudes. Nine ladies dancing, that were, that's the fruit of the Spirit, 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ten lords a-leaping are the Ten Commandments. Eleven pipers piping stand for the eleven faithful disciples. Sorry, Judas, no figgy pudding for you. Twelve drummers drumming. The twelve points of belief stated in the Apostles' Creed. Well, so much for conspiracy theories from jolly old England. I have other news for you. The exact day of the epiphany this year was January 6th. Now, regardless of your political perspective, conspiracy theorists can, can feast on that one. But the word epiphany in Greek just means a, a new manifestation or revelation. In classic Greek literature, it's most often used as a reference to the dawn. When something new dawns on you, you have an epiphany. It's like stumbling into a room in the dark, disoriented, and the light comes on, bringing into view what you could not see before. What you stumbled over in the dark, you can now see. Not just for yourselves or for your own, but you are welcomed to the light of the world for the world. Yet the powers of darkness are strong and will not easily give up the fight. Zoroastrian or Christian, the battle between good and evil goes on. And the battle was pitched when the Magi inquired of powers that, the powers that were, of the location of the king whom they sought. Herod oozed platitudes in regard to embracing the light, only to hiss in the darkness his murderous intent. But the light found the sojourners of the spirit and led them on. Thank goodness and the star they were led to the child, entered the house and worshiped. Notice according to Greek vocabulary, they did not enter a manger, but a house. They did not find a newborn infant, but a toddler of about 12 years old. Herod confirms this by ordering the murder of all children under two years of age. The darkness is indeed ruthless. Another theme of epiphany appears at this juncture of the story. The Magi were keen interpreters of dreams. Back home in Persia, it was a significant area of the Magi enterprise. These folks could do dreams. Nuance, nuance was too nuanced for them to get the message. And this time the message was clear. Darkness was breathing down their necks. And so they never doubled back to darkness, but carried the light shining in their souls. Because once you've been welcomed to the light, you can never be satisfied with darkness again. The dream will not die. So did Zoroastrianism influence Christianity or Christianity influence Zoroastrianism? I don't think it matters which way it worked or if it worked both ways. What matters is the light. Look at the light, imaginary or not. I go back to that first grade dramatic moment, how hard it was to walk with my hands full looking up, to look up at the starlight, look up at the light. I held my mirror straight out in front of me. But what are those gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They could be symbolic of Christ the King, the priest, and the prophet. Or it could be a fulfillment of the text we heard 
Al read from Isaiah this morning. In the sixth verse of that 60th chapter, Al read this. A multitude of camels shall cover you. Does not sound like a pleasant experience. <laughs> the young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Wait a minute, what happened to the myrrh? No myrrh. Instead of myrrh, it's a multitude of camels covering you. Now, no wonder they added the myrrh. I mean, imagine the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and a multitude of camels. Thank God for the myrrh, because I definitely could not walk holding out camels and looking up at a star. Still, I see the Magi trek on, passing through the darkness, pursued by the darkness, but welcomed by the light. What about you? Are you passing through some desert of darkness? Are you being pursued by darkness intent on destroying you? Look up. You're welcomed by the light. Welcome to this light. And in this light, you can no longer be a stranger. You belong to the light. You belong here in this place where in spite of darkness, the light lives. Whoever you are, from wherever you came, whatever label you wear or decry, you are welcomed by the light to this place where light is kept alive. As a church, we do not exist to keep the light to ourselves, but to shine the light in all the dark, forgotten corners of human need and suffering. The light is not our own. We belong to the light. As a young child, I saw the three wise men in all their literal and physical glory. Now as an old man, that, that's hard to say. <laughs> now as an old man, I see the magi in all their metaphorical and metaphysical glory. And every year around this time when Christmas counts down to epiphany, I see them again. I see them longing for the light, languishing for the light, lurching for the light, welcomed by the light, living in the light, spreading the light. And every year we traverse with them. Though darkness be on our heels, we travel onward toward the light the welcoming light. And we'll meet there, all together, welcomed by the light. Amen.
what could be more common than bread and drink? And yet, they're transformed. Because when Jesus took the bread and broke it, he said, this is my body, broken. And when he took the cup and poured the wine, he said, this cup is the new and everlasting covenant in my blood. All of you. Drink it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth my presence in the world. Let us pray a prayer 